So we went to Mike just before we were shooting. Like, I don't think we had discussions about exactly what it was going to be. And we went up to him and said, how about we do this? And he looked with this sort of like look of like glee and shock on his face and said, (laughs) can we do that? (laughs) Uh, And then we did. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we're breaking down the state of the 2022 Emmys race and chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, who, I ask, is in the mood for some laughs? Well, we've got them for you, hopefully, on this episode of The Awardist in the form of Ted Lasso stars and 2021 Emmy winners Hannah Waddingham and Brett Goldstein and one of the incredible stars of The White Lotus, Murray Bartlett. And joining me to discuss those nominees and break down some categories in advance of this month's final voting is EW Senior TV Editor Sam Highfill. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Good. How are you, Jared? I'm great. I'm excited for this episode for all of the reasons that I already stated, uh, because I love comedy so much. These shows are incredible. These actors are fantastic. Um, you know what? I've really loved seeing, um, and it was... Um, it was really on display at last year's Emmy Awards when Hannah won hers and she, I mean, first of all, was just so thrilled to be up there. But it was specifically that line where she says to Jason, you have changed my life and more importantly, you've changed my baby girls. And it was like, uh, it's what it's about. Like, this is someone who has been a performer, an entertainer, an actor, uh, a singer for so many years. And to see the success come a little later, Murray Bartlett even kind of says the same thing in our interview. When it when it hits at a level like it's hitting for them now, there's a different kind of appreciation that yeah. people have um, because they've worked so hard. And, you know, they you kind of think somewhere along the way, like... Uh, am I doing this for nothing? Like, yeah. And then it, you know, you strike gold and. Yeah. I think it also really matters and really has an impact when it's something that they actually really enjoy. That helps. Which is something <laughs> Hannah mentioned when we chatted of like Ted Lasso was kind of the first time she watched something that she was in and thought, oh, I, I love this. Yeah. Like, I actually am really proud to be a part of this. She wasn't proud of being the shame nun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't call her out on that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think for all of them, and she and Brett also talked about how they genuinely didn't think anyone would watch Ted Lasso because no yeah. one knew how to get Apple TV+. Plus. A lot of people still don't know how to get Apple yeah. TV+. Plus. And yeah. I remember we discussed that. I would tell people to watch it and they'd say how, and I'd be like, great cue like i don't really know and so the fact that that show broke through as really like the first big hit of apple tv plus and now they found this success is you know it's a really optimistic story which is all ted lasso is about yeah i mean and you know season two got into um got into mental health which you don't see you don't see uh, you do see shows tackle but not in the context of a comedy like not in a light-hearted but still impactful way yeah and and these actors they're just they make it look so easy i know they're so good and of course uh you know they will be very quick to say that's the writing when when the writing's there it makes our job a whole lot easier and it makes it makes total sense but um by the same token you know 
bad actors can also ruin good writing. Uh, so, True. so uh, you know, they get they get some of the credit too. You can't sure. act your way out of bad writing, right? But, um, yeah, you also can. You can ruin good writing too. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, well, let's go ahead and talk about the big category where they're nominated. Uh, outstanding comedy series. Here are the nominees: Abbott Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and What We Do in the Shadows. Now, um, Ted Lasso, they got the most of any comedy this year. Uh, that would be twenty nominations. Um, Succession got the most of any show, but specifically speaking about comedies, Ted Lasso got the most 20, followed by HBO Max's Hacks and Hulu's Only Murders in the Building. They got 17 apiece. Short of making any kind of final predictions, because we've still got a you know a little ways to go, do you think Ted Lasso can and will be a repeat winner or will former winner Barry slip back in there or third scenario how do you feel about freshman comedy Abbott Elementary's chances I personally would love Abbott Elementary to come Mm. as much as I love Ted Lasso and quite a few of these shows um, that would be that was the breakthrough comedy of the year for me yep I don't know it's you know every now and then the Emmys surprise me I, if I were a betting woman, which I'm not, um, I would put my money on Ted Lasso just because traditionally <laughs> the if the Emmys give something some love, yeah. they give it love until the day it dies. I, I mean, uh, Modern Family yeah. won five years The fact in that a row. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is still nominated is also proof of that. Like, I actually really liked this season of Maisel, but like- mm. We get it. You've already <laughs> given them all the awards. Yeah. Like they're yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. They've they've done well. Um, Only Murders, I think. I mean, it's also great. Season two is airing while voting is happening, which I, is what happened last I think year. That's for more Ted. likely to get acting noms. Uh, yeah, yeah. Than anything. Um, and then Hacks. I mean, season two of Hacks was just. You know, you always wonder, like, is there going to be a sophomore slump? And um. Hacks absolutely did not have yeah. a slump. Going out on the road was such a genius idea on their part. Gave them so much to work with. Um, Only Murder Season 2 has been really good. Uh, I'm not saying Ted Lasso Season 2 wasn't good. It Don't wasn't Season 1. It was a very it was a very different show in ways. Yeah. Just like the same way Hacks was a very different show. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I would, I would love to see Abbott Elementary. I would too. Take that. Um, I think they will. I think Quinta Brunson will win somewhere. Yeah, I think it'll get something. I just don't think it'll sweep in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so it's a tough category. I I think uh, kind of like what you have said. I've heard and seen lots of folks that that are tending to lean toward Ted Lasso because of that same kind of theory. Once the Academy is kind of like. They have something in their brain. They keep going with it, which it's is quite unfortunate. Like they just want to prove that they were right. <laughs> you know, it's like a weird yeah. like, no, it's still yeah. good. We gave them an Emmy last year yeah. and we're going to do it again. Like, I don't know. It's a weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, Veep won many times as well. Yeah. Uh, very deserving, by sure. the way. Uh, I, I don't think any of those were not uh, earned at all. 
Okay, well, let's get into the acting categories then, because uh, here, lead actress in a comedy series, someone who has won before, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Here's Quinta Brunson, Abbott Elementary, Kaylee Cuoco, The Flight Attendant, Elle Fanning got in there this year for The Great, Issa Rae for the final season of Insecure, and Gene Smart, who won last year and can do no wrong for Hacks. This is um, I, I, I kind of don't think a tough one. I think Jean will repeat here. Yeah. Um, she was incredible in season two. Um, if anyone gets in there, I think this is where Quinta could. I think this is Abbott's one of their better chances. Maybe mm-hmm. not their best because yeah. do they have a writing? Yes, yeah, she is nominated for writing the pilot, which is I think is a lock. Get it, I, yeah. I think that's going to be hers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we're getting another Jean Smart speech, mm, which I we love. Oh so. man, I love her so much. Yeah. Um, I, um, I I think what Kaylee Cuoco does is very difficult on the flight attendant, but it um, it was a lot of the same. It was, and by yes. that I mean like literally five of, F- of the her. same. Of yeah, five <laughs> yeah. of her. Yeah, yeah, five five different versions of her, which is why I think. I, she may have carried through to a nomination here because she had a lot of work to it's do. True. Yeah. Um, I don't always consider most of it comedic work, though, to be honest. Yeah, the flight, it's hard that it's t- sure is it technically a comedy, but like yeah. that's a, it's dramatic. That's yeah. a drama. And I wish Issa Rae would have won somewhere along the line for know, Insecure. Um, but this is uh, unfortunately not going to be her year, but um, we've certainly not seen the last of her. Uh, she's going to have uh, plenty more chances, I, I think, to, uh, to, to be recognized at the Emmys. Um, okay, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Donald Glover's back with Atlanta. Bill Hader is back with Barry. Nicholas Holt also getting in for the great. Two nominees from Only Murders in the Building, Steve Martin and Martin Short. And last year's winner, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, do you think it's going to be Jason again or will Bill Hader come back around uh, and reclaim that category? This one I'm actually not super sure of. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I feel right? like it's probably Jason, but I could see a world in which it's Bill Hader. The, honestly, the only person I think who's definitely not winning this, sorry, is Nicholas Holt. Yeah, I like, agree. But like, I don't think Donald Glover will either. I don't think, but, but. I, but that would be a kind of a fun twist if he did. Um, yeah. And then obviously, like, Steve Martin, Martin Short, like, always have a chance. Here's the thing. Steve Martin gave an absolute masterclass in comedy mm-hmm. in the season finale, season one finale of Only Murders in the Building. All of that stuff with the elevator yeah. and the him being basically, like, uh, kind of like quasi paralyzed yeah. and and all of that. And that is the episode he submitted. So um, I think if you like compare episode to episode, he uh, has the best comedic work of any of those guys. But as we know, that like dramedy material goes a really long way right. in this category. It's an like comparing his work and Sudeikis's work is completely oh, different. Total apples and oranges. Because what yep. what they love from Sudeikis are like the serious moments. Yep. It's the anxiety attacks. Uh-huh. It's him breaking the therapy down. sessions. Right. Yeah. Steve Martin. It's yeah. It's that finale. It's the physical. I mean, it, uh-huh. that was peak Steve Martin. That <sighs> entire bit, and it was. I was crying laughing. It was. Oh, so and I could have watched like another hour of it. Yeah, he's, it was so great. Yeah, he's so good and keeps things for, keeps things so fresh. Um, which, by the way, I feel like Martin Short has been delivering a lot of that in season two. Yeah. Of the show. Um, it's yeah, hard because of the two, I actually think Martin Short is maybe more consistently funny on that yeah. show. But because the Emmys, again, are one episode mm-hmm. and Steve Martin submitted the right episode, uh-huh. then I would 
I would give him a little bit of a lead, but yeah. again, this is probably going to Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> I know, I know. And if we love Jason um, Sudeikis, I love Ted Lasso, but yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. I think this is going to be a battle of the uh, the old um, SNL buddies. Yeah, there it's true between Bill and Jason. All right. Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. So let me just go through all the Ted Lasso ones here really quickly. We've got Brett Goldstein, Tahib Jamal, and Nick Muhammad, who took a really interesting turn in the season. Uh, from Barry, we have two folks, Anthony Kerrigan and Henry Winkler, who is a past winner for this show in this category. From Abbott Elementary, Tyler James Williams. And from Saturday Night Live, Bowen Yang. Uh, oh, and the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Tony Shalhoub, who uh, has won for that show and for Monk and I think pretty much everything he's ever been in. Um, yeah, I, I love Tony. He's he's actually great on the show, but not going to win. Uh, I, I think we can take him out. Um, We've got three previous winners in this yeah, category. Right, right. Um, Anthony Kerrigan, so good on Barry. He's not winning. No, he's not going to win. Um, I don't think this is uh, of the Ted Lasso guys. Brett Goldstein stands the biggest chance. He he won last year. Bowen Yang. God, I would love to see him up on that stage. He is so deserving. It's a tough category for him to break through all of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where where are where are your instincts right now? I mean, I think. Listen, Henry Winkler. Because he's a Henry Winkler yep. and be a former winner would not be shocking to me. Mm -mm. Um, I sadly don't think Tyler James Williams has a chance. Um, you don't have to say it sadly. He's not going <laughs> to win. It's fine. I mean, I, mean, I love know, the show. I, I He's not the part of that show that I need to win. Right. Exactly. Um, and to be honest, I'm a little surprised about him. Oh, wow. Coming for Tyler. Mm. Um I think it's between Brett and Nick, probably. I Ooh, think it's between two Ted Lasso's. Going between the Ted Lasso's. Um, okay. I mean, it would be fun to see anybody. Well, it, would, um, it wouldn't no. be fun for me to see some <laughs> of them win. Um, but I do, I think, as we've said, Brett Goldstein won last year. Yep. Um, obviously, he is so Roy is incredible. Well, especially what they did with him in season and, two. Yeah, and having like the stuff the with coaching the niece and the oh my and gosh, all of it. Like I thought he had way better comedic material in season two than he even did in season one. Agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if now, if now you really want to recognize him, now's the very appropriate time um, yeah. to give him that. Yeah. For me, I think it's between Brett and Henry. Yeah. Um, I could see Henry. It's a, I, and I'd be fine if either of them won. Yeah. I would not complain at all. And as we move into supporting actress in a comedy series, uh, Alex Borstein from Maisel, who has won before. Uh, we have two Hannahs, I'm Minder from Hacks and Waddingham from Ted Lasso. Also from Ted Lasso, God, I love her so much, Juno Temple and Sarah Niles, who I was uh, quite a bit surprised to see in here. Um, not because she's not great, but because she just wasn't really part of predictions yeah um and then two from abbott elementary so happy both of them got in here cheryl lee ralph and janelle james and then for her final season of snl kate mckinnon she's won in this category twice um she had some really strong stuff in the final season don't think she's gonna win love her um alex borstein not gonna win Mm -mm. sarah niles not going to win juno temple had some really good comedic stuff this season I don't think going to win. Yeah. For me, this comes down to a battle of Abbott Elementary, either women, probably more Janelle James versus Hannah Waddingham. 
Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I I would really love Janelle James to oh win. Oh my god. <laughs> She's so funny. I mean, I want her to win just for the acceptance speech. Oh my God. It would that's be incredible. That's what I like. I cannot even imagine what that speech is going to be like. Um I can tell you Hannah wants Juno to win. <laughs> oh, oh, I know she does. I mean, she's like uh her biggest cheerleader in the world. They are of each They're other. So cute. Um Though, not going to lie, Shirley Ralph, I, I can also imagine an acceptance speech from her, um, especially for uh, her longevity mm-hmm. in in this industry, an industry that's not always been very kind to her. Yeah. Um, she's just so wildly talented and great on that show. And man, she can like stare daggers through people I know. and make it so funny. And you just, you know exactly what she's thinking. Yeah. Um, I love her so much. Um, I mean, if if the Emmys were tomorrow, I think I would say it's Hannah, but I don't know. There's still time to go. Yeah. I mean, she did have great, like all of the Sam Rebecca stuff. Like she had great stuff in season two. It's not, she's, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad about her winning. Um, she's incredible, but it would be fun to see Abbott Elementary sneak in there. Mm-hmm. And we got a little more singing from her. Everyone loves Hannah singing. Oh, oh my God, that Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. Yeah. That is maybe like my all-time favorite episode of Ted Lasso. It's really it's good. It's really good. It's, it's yeah. definitely my favorite of season two. Yeah, and it's and stuck it was a, with me. It was like a late edition. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I mean, we're talking about it. We It's so vivid. I can remember so many I want to watch it every, it. it's going to become one of my traditions that yeah. I watch every year. Yeah, Christmas. It's, it's that good. Uh, well, look, we have uh, two of these nominees uh, on the episode today. I've already teased a little bit there. Sam has mentioned some of what they talked about. But very specifically, I've got to tell you this interview. Um, it's one of uh, EW's classic segments that we call Three Rounds, where the stars have three different drinks throughout the course of the interview. Sam did that one. Is there something you want to – anything else you want to tease about that before we take a quick break? Um, I will say just prepare yourselves because they do talk about Ted Lasso ending and <gasps> it like broke my heart a little bit. Uh, yeah, all of them. I, I, they've, they've pretty much become very open about it now. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're trying to accept it because, well, they're filming it. So they've got to. It's almost They've got to wrap their heads around it. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up, Sam goes three rounds with Hannah Waddingham and Brett Goldstein, who could both take home their second Emmys next month. So uh, you've got a quick minute here. Go pour yourself a drink, maybe a spot of tea. The awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. Hopefully you got yourself a, a quick drink there so that you can uh, play along with Sam Heifel as she chats with Hannah Waddingham and Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso right now with this three rounds interview. Do enjoy and we'll be back with more right after that. Welcome to Entertainment Weekly's Three Rounds. I'm Sam Heifel and I am joined by Ted Lasso stars and Emmy winners and Emmy nominees, Brett Goldstein and Hannah Waddingham. Ta-da! Round one, we are drinking a Hendry X and Tonic. Cheers, guys. Ding, ding, round one. Ding, ding. Fresh (sighs) cucumber. That is rather refreshing. Mm. So take me back to the first time you all ever heard the words Ted Lasso. I was called in for a meeting and they said, oh, there's this um, football show. And I immediately, before they'd finished their sentence, went, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't have less interest in football if I tried, which hasn't massively changed. But there we are. Um, So I went over for the meeting 
and I still didn't know what it was called. And um, rather embarrassingly, when I first met Jason, I went, what's it called? And he went, uh, Las Ted Lasso. And I went, as in Lasso. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, you sound like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Just stop talking, say the script and shut up. Yeah. I mean, Brett you Goldstein. got the job. I think it worked for I you. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was stalking her for years before the job. He's not really? actually joking. And so when I found out she was in the mix, I was like, fucking <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Define stalking. Um, gentle stalking, you know, no threats. Right. Just <laughs> seeing everything, you know, just being near Just her. seeing everything she <laughs> yeah. does and yeah. Finding out her habits, you know. <laughs> and when I heard she was in the mix, I was like, you have to get her because then I don't need to worry about this restraining order and whatnot. And, here we are. Great. No, but he's not actually joking. He's not joking. Because <laughs> the first day I mean, of the read-through, suddenly there was this, you know, immaculately hirsute man in front of me. So I've literally watching. seen everything you've been in. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen this Hello. show. I've seen you in the shower. I've seen <laughs> everything she'd ever done. Yeah. I mean, thank God he was hot. Otherwise, I would have had to have a word with him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But Brett, you first heard the words as a writer, obviously. Yes, I first heard the words Ted Lasso. I think I knew the original um, sketch yeah. adverts because I'm a Tottenham fan. And in the beginning, Ted Lasso goes to coach Tottenham. So I'd, I always had love for Ted Lasso because he was, I mean, I was sort of annoyed that he was going to end up at Richmond and not go back to Tottenham, but he did get fired and that was true to the story. Sure. So I actually heard of it long, long before and then one day, Bill Lawrence called me up and said, what are you doing? Yeah. And I said, I'm busy. What do you want? And he said... I'm busy stalking <laughs> Hannah. Yeah, so I'm outside Hannah's house. <laughs> what, I haven't got time. What do you need? I said, she'll be home any minute. And uh, he, he said, there's this foot. We're, right, we're about to make this film show with Jason Sudeikis and uh, I'd, I think you'd be great for it, but you need to meet Jason and see if you get on. And me and Jason had a FaceTime at like one in the morning for like an hour and a half. And I just sort of fell in love and I was like, oh, I really hope this happens. And then it did. But at what point in the writing were you like, I got to play this Rory guy? Well, I think it was the scene where he uh, bumps into Keely at the, in the car park at the end of five and scares her. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, sorry. She says, you, well, you're proud of yourself, you know? And he's like, yeah, fuck, sorry. And I thought, I don't know, it was around then I was like, this is the guy. You're like, he's scaring women in he's car scared. parks. Are you serious? It's it me. took you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it was. You it was. You got that far in. That's when I thought, because all the time I kept thinking, could I do this? Could I do this? And that, I don't know, it was around halfway through I thought, I have to do this. I can't imagine anyone else on God's earth playing this part. Yeah. God bless you. Same to you. <laughs> Cheers. Hey, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Ding, ding, ding. When was the moment you all realized that this show was a hit? Like, did you have a moment where you thought, oh, crap, this is, like, going to be a thing? For when me. it came out. <laughs> I think season... For me. Was it? It was when it came when out. When it came out. I remember you and I having a little conversation about... No one will watch it. It's on Apple TV. <laughs> People don't have Apple TV. No one's going to watch this. Yeah, behind the craft truck. Sure. Didn't we? I thought no one would watch it. You and I were like, I thought that it's too. been yeah. so nice yeah. that we've all got to know each other. We've had a lovely time and no, no one one's going to watch it. Yeah. Didn't we? You and also, me the reality, the I keep thinking the reality of 
people didn't know how to get Apple TV. Yeah, My parents no. didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. And they kept asking me, how do we get this show? I was like, I don't really... I was like, I would recommend it to all my friends, and they'd be like, how do I watch it? And I'd be like, ooh, great, yeah. great cue, yeah. not sure. So I was like, yeah. even if it was amazing, no one's going to watch it. Yeah. And then, of course, there's that thing of once, once you see it all beautifully spliced together, you're like, oh, my God, I'm in something that's really going to change things. Mm -hmm. And especially when it kind of accidentally came out during the worst time in modern history, was yeah. like... I mean, I remember watching that because I don't like watching myself in things. Sure. So I was zipping through me, getting to all this lot and thinking, oh, my God, for the first time ever, I'm a fangirl of something that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. When did the first time, like, a stranger wanted to talk to you about Ted Lasso? Was that after season one? I think it was yeah, here first, wasn't it? Yeah, we came here. As here. in Los Angeles. Yeah, okay. here, 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 this country. Not this bar. This uh, yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah, here, definitely, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You and me walking right. along and being like, ooh, <laughs> things have changed. People recognize us. Yeah, it's so yeah. odd. And especially if we walk around in any kind of pack, it's, yeah. it was really weird. Like you, me, and Jeremy going out. Sure. And people are like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> or usually start crying when they see me. Oh. Because they find Rebecca like, oh, bless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a mess of a life. Well done. <laughs> That's yeah, and then like you know, man, woman, and beast go. What's the reaction Woo! to Roy Kent? Uh, Probably growl at me, get, growl for me. Uh, Do people growl at you? No, no, no. Like I'll tell you the, the best interaction that I've had. I was with Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie, and this American guy with his girlfriend was off his face on saying he came, came up to me and he went, "Hey man, you know where I can get some drugs?" And before I was recognised for being Roy Kent. I used to always get asked for drugs because I you look, so pretty, I look like a, I'm the guy you go to for drugs. <laughs> and he went, he, he show me drugs. And then he stopped and he went, man, you look like Roy Kent. And, and I went, oh, that's weird, isn't it? And he went, yeah. Anyway, where can I get drugs? And I said, I think if you go over there. And he went, that's weird. And then he walked past Phil and he went, you look like Jamie Dark. <laughs> oh and Jay went, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And he went, wow. Wild, and then walked back to his girlfriend and just said, "These two drug dealers look like." <laughs> <laughs> so for round two, we are drinking the Melanie. The Melanie. Ding ding. Cheers. Round two. Cheers. Ding ding. Well, we did mention in round one. We mentioned the growl, which I do want to ask about. Was the growl scripted? Was that something you brought to Roy Kent? And does it not bloody hurt? Because it sounds no. like it does. I don't know how you've never lost your voice with that. Sometimes you do things like the other day, and he was just like, <laughs> like he is. And honestly, Juno and I looked at each other writing. and just went, mm -hmm. how do you do that? I don't know, I mean, it's a, it's a real... When you don't sound anything like that in real life. It's a real gift. Uh, <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know the answer to that grounding question because I think I would hate to take any credit away from any of the writers. I feel like it's started as a thing and then became a thing in the scripts. How much improv is there on the set? Probably less than you Next might imagine. nothing. I think what we do, certainly what Jason and me and Joe Kelly and Brendan and any writer who's there on set will do like, almost like pre-improvising, as in this, we have the script and we'll talk before we shoot. Mm -hmm. What about this, 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 this? And then that becomes the thing that we shoot. And then 
we'll often shoot Jason last because then he will do some amazing shit that you're like, once we've got, once everyone else, yeah, we've got to let him do. Which is actually quite annoying because you think, well, I would have reacted differently to you now. And now you've just gone <laughs> <laughs> like a Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so true about the kind of pre-improv thing. Hmm. You can feel that from the script. Mm -hmm. It's been run around. It's been, you know, taken out to trot. Had a little feel of it. The one thing I always get involved with is anglicising Rebecca to death. Mm. You know, there'll be things like, oh, I don't know, I guess. And I just think, absolutely not. Yeah. She doesn't talk like that, for God's sake. <laughs> and I think they've learned now to just go, yeah, just do what you want with it. Yeah. Although there are a lot of things where I'll say to Jason, do you not think because this and that and this happened in Ep 1 of da da da, da and that happened in Ep 4 of Season 2 and, and he's, you know, rubbing the tash of truth. <laughs> and he just goes, sometimes he'll go, oh, yeah, okay. Most of the time he just goes, no. He carries on, I just think, oh, okay. <laughs> Pick your moments, yeah, definitely, yeah. with sure. him. What is you all's favourite scene that you are not in? Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, my God, there's loads. so many. <laughs> Go I can give you one, oh, God. one per season. Sure. Oh, God. I oh, know, I'm in that I just realised <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any lines. I just realised okay, I'm in it, but I'm in the sort of background of the scene. Sure, that's, that counts. But it's the scene where Hannah's singing Let It Go and Jason has the panic attack. I am in that scene, yeah. and I am just you mouthing mouth, words. Yeah. But if you remove me from that scene, I was witness to that. Okay, if I can't have that scene, here's the scene I went in. There's the <laughs> oh best God. scene. And it's when she confesses to Ted, and he mm. forgives her, and they hug. And I was there, and when they did the rehearsal, the first rehearsal of it, I had a tear. We all did. It was fucking amazing. Did you? Yeah, it was beautiful. That was really, like, that's when I was like, nah, she's going to win an Oscar. They don't even have Oscars for this. <laughs> the scene for me in um, season one was probably the one with Jason doing the whole uh, left, left leg, right leg, all of that. Do you remember that? Which scene is that? <laughs> Aren't you in, in that the river. <laughs> Yeah. No, I am in it, but I love what he oh, does sure, sure. in it. I love what he does in it. Um, and I also, I, I, I mean, I know I'm in this scene as well. Jason's work on his anxiety attack, oh, sure. I think is absolutely beautiful mm -hmm. and could be so easily overbaked or underbaked for that matter. Mm -hmm. But it was really a, a delicately thought out little... It was beautifully baked. Thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, will you go back and watch it once it's fully done, and you can then you can maybe look at a long it this way, way down there, that, that way. Maybe a long way down the line, but I'm really, genuinely, in all seriousness, massively struggling with the end being imminent. Mm. Like deeply, deeply, it sticks in my throat. Yeah. Well, because you all have filmed three, right? Or are you still working on it? No, we're we in the middle of shooting. You're in the middle of three. shooting. Three. Yeah. Does it feel different? Because of knowing that? Yeah, it does, for me. Yeah. yeah. I think I felt that way from the beginning. You know that thing of, uh, I mean, this is very serious. Uh, I've done this like a thing called uh, something nostalgia, but it's like present nostalgia, that you're loving something so much that while you're enjoying it, you can't enjoy it because you're worried about it ending. You know it's going to end. That's how I, pretty much how I felt from the beginning on this job. Yeah. I keep having to be like, stop thinking of, 
just I'm enjoy so it grateful in the moment. for it. I love it, yeah. and I'm so sad that one day it will end. And I think I've always felt that. It's pathetic. I would say, across the board, all the cast supporting us, it's all of us that are very much AFC Richmond together. I feel like we have that thing. We're all aware that we're in this beautiful, delicate jewellery box that we're never going to be able to replace. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute world, isn't it? It's a full greyhound little island. And we all treat it with precious, precious love. And it is a very bloody happy ship. So that's, um, that's difficult. And also putting down, you know, no longer walking next to your character. Sure. Mm. I really can't cope with that at all. Leaving, leaving her to, I don't know, go where, do what, do her own thing. Yeah. 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 Well, do you know? I don't you like know it. how it ends. You're, but like, do you know how it ends? I or did vaguely you not know, know how it ends, okay. but it's entirely possible that Jason will have spun me a load of bollocks <laughs> just to stop me talking about it. Yeah. I mean, it is. He's like, yep, that'd be true, that'd be true. Yeah. I would love if the writers told everyone a different ending and then they all That's a great idea, maybe we still have time to do that. Yeah, they do have time for that, maybe you have. And you know, I have told Tahib, I have told Tahib. Yeah. I told Tahib a long time ago how, <laughs> how his character dies. <laughs> and, he, and he, basically I was like, you die by a helicopter. And he was like, oh, I'm in a helicopter crash. And I said, no. You run into a into a still helicopter. It's not even on. You just run <laughs> into it. It's not even on. And you die. And that's how you die. And we try and make your death sound a bit better. We go like he was killed by a helicopter, but he just ran into a helicopter. That's how he died. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, but that's yeah, his ending. But that's up. how it ends. Yeah. Right. That's the final shot of the, <laughs> yeah, of the just scene. Just hitting it. Well, I mean, no spoilers, but I will ask you, Brett. Yes. How many times did you cry writing the final season? Three. Okay. Wow, that's specific. I was I very that. tired. <laughs> <laughs> how many times did you, for reference, so people yeah. know, how many times did you cry writing one and two? I don't. I don't cry. I've never okay, cried. so three's a lot. Uh, I yeah. I mean, no. Listen, probably, probably. In it, there's more deaths in this season, so <laughs> it's uh, more there's helicopter more helicopters. Yes. With yeah. Those bloody helicopters, helicopters are yeah. a nightmare. They're all the all Ed, Edwin and Cooper just leaves and goes to the people who keep running into them. Oh my God. Now there's a great scene. Sam oh Richardson my God. Going Sam up. Richardson's yeah. exit. Yeah. I thank sweet baby Jesus. I wasn't in that scene. I'd have been all over the place. Yeah. Knocking over the mannequin with the yeah. sport. Oh man. Brilliant. For round three, we are drinking the 100 Acre Wood. Okay, I want to do a quick season three preview. Rebecca. Yes. Had a great moment in her office in the season two finale. I thought we were going to say she had a great time with Sam Abisanya. I mean, yes, really another did. way to phrase that question. Because she ended on a, on a good note. She did end on a good note. I think she ended on a confused note about Sam. Uh, because there is uh, an electricity and an ease between them. Sure. But is she perturbed enough by the age gap? Mm to leave it behind or reignite it. Who knows? We shall see. But the biggest thing for me was I wanted, I'm so desperate, I talked about it quite a lot with Jason and I think I requested it with you as well. I was like, can she not be completely all together? Do you remember when I said that to you? I was like, can she have more time with her team, mm. loving her team because she is very proud of her boys 
please? And can she also not be completely together? Yeah. Like, I don't feel like we've traveled with Rebecca all the way through this of her not knowing how to function mm -hmm. to then suddenly have her all collected. Yeah. So I was like, if she takes a couple of steps forward, can she please take maybe three or four back instead of one? Yeah. And I'm pleased to say that she is as utterly clueless in her own life as before, as we all are really, aren't we? Okay, the last thing I will ask you all, which might be a little complicated for you again as a writer, but do you have any sort of final season bucket list for your characters? Anything you would love? I want to shout out the window again. Ted! That seems possible. I don't care <laughs> what you're talking about or that you're training footballers. Yeah. Uh, you got one coming up, babe. <gasps> have I? I think so, yeah. God, he's got such an annoying superpower. But also, it could oh. also be cut. Oh, God. So that's, that's, so that's, that's what I want. And also, I'd like, I, I'd like there to be something more juicy uh, with Keeley. Because mm. that is so precious to me and Juno, yeah. that little, separate little family. Yeah. Brett, did you have a bucket list when you went into the writer's room? Maybe that's a better question for you. I'll try and give you a fake answer, yeah? Sure. <laughs> My bucket list was that there's major injuries in the final game and Roy, there's, they've run out of football and Roy on. has to come on and score the He's winning goal. Me. And, um, and they said, that's ridiculous, get out. <laughs> You're fine. I said, well, wait, 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 wait till you hear what I've got for Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Did they say you're old? You can't run on the pitch? No, they just said it would technically not happen as a rule. You can't really just uh, grab people off. Was that know. Brendan and his annoying, yeah. endless, You can't very just get someone out of the crowd knowledge. essentially and go, you want to, can you do it? Yeah. It's not King Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, it's a very realistic show. Yeah, yeah. It is, okay. it is. This has been Entertainment Weekly's Three Rounds. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Um, all right, Sam. So on a scale of one to 10, how tipsy were you at the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe like a six. It wasn't that bad. That's fair. Yeah. yeah that's fine. A you, healthy amount. Yeah. Good enough that you can still conduct an interview. Yeah. And that's all that's necessary, sure. really. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and not like become inappropriate or anything. Um, <laughs> he, where where he, he almost did talking about the stalking. Um, <laughs> that, that whole part of the conversation was like, whoa, what? Um, but no, it's all, all in good fun. And I don't blame him because she's wildly talented. She's incredible. Um, okay, so hold on. I, I find it so interesting that she thinks that, like, Jason told her maybe how the show ends, but she's, like, not sure she believes it. And yeah. Brett's like, oh, I definitely know. Yeah. It's a really fascinating dynamic with Brett being a writer because it's very clear. Brett knows. Yeah. He knows everything. Yeah. He could have written the final scene for all yeah. we know. Um, and he's, you can tell, he's keeping it under lock and key. He's not telling... She, you know, I mentioned they should jokingly tell everyone a different, different ending. ending. And yep. he was like, we still have time. I might do that. Yeah. I mean. Um, but yeah, it seems like the the actual end of Ted Lasso is something that outside of, I would guess, Jason and the writers isn't widely known. And, you know, honestly, you know, there are some shows where you can kind of like, oh, here's what I like wish would happen in the end or what they could do. And this is a show that I don't really know, like, what. What I would even kind of hope for the end of the show. Yeah. Especially because season three feels uh, so premature, to be honest. Well, that's the thing. It's it's such a 
short story that it's yep. kind of when shows been on for like eight seasons, you're kind of like, all right, here's what I would like to see. Yeah. Um, but this one, I think it's a t- and it's also I also have so much trust in them. Yeah. And they clearly the fact that they are ending the show means they always kind of had an end in mind. Um, and so I'm I have faith that it will feel fitting for them. But I'm I know I'm like, do I want him to leave? Do I want him to stay? His family's in the States. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of the way shows end, uh, that finale of The White Lotus, where we discovered who was in that casket, I talked with Murray Bartlett about that. He is coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Awardist. The White Lotus was one of those shows of the past year that it took a, it took a second or two for people to catch on to it. But once they did, they were in hook, line and sinker. It's commentary on colonialism and white privilege was so smart and deftly handled by writer, creator Mike White and this entire cast who uh, just excelled at every single turn. One of them being Murray Bartlett, who has become become a really a breakout star from this series um and i am thrilled now to uh, present you with my conversation with him murray bartlett thank you so much for joining us on the awardist how are you today i'm great i'm really happy to be here talking to you i and we are very happy to have you okay so uh what are you what projects are you in between are you in production on something right now and this is just a day off do tell um, I just finished working on a, um, a limited series about the Chippendales called Welcome to Chippendales. Yes. Um, so we were shooting that uh, the last six months uh, in LA and I, um, I live on the East Coast. So I just got home a week ago and I haven't really been, I've had a really, you know, fortunate, amazing year working, but it means that I haven't been home much. So I'm Really, really happy to be home for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I live yeah. near the beach, so I'm you know soaking up all that goodness. Uh, I know what you mean. After a while, you just want to be back in your own bed, have your own kitchen. You know where everything is. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not in any way complaining. <laughs> I <My, laughs> no, no. You know, and and this this job, the uh, Welcome to Chippendales, was such a awesome adventure with an amazing group of people and it's a really great story so it was very it was very satisfying and um Mm. and now weirdly you know i'm back home and i'm loving being here um but i you know i also miss that amazing group of people that i was working with and feel quite nostalgic uh Mm. for work even though I'm, i'm happy to be relaxing now Sure. Well, I mean, like you said, this last year been quite busy for you uh, since the White Lotus debuted. Uh, that series you've shot, also Physical, which is uh, airing. It's still, the current season is still airing, I do believe. Yeah, I think the final episode is out in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Last of Us, you were going to be in, that is coming up. Uh, yeah. There's something else I feel like I'm missing. Um, extrapolations, maybe? Yes, extrapolations. It? Yes, yes. So, I mean, this, uh, it, was that all born of people seeing the white lotus was any of that in motion before that came out the last of us was uh already happening before i mean you know i i'd uh we'd shot the the white lotus um in 2020 i guess um so it was it was already you know about to come out but i'd signed on mm-hmm. to do the last of us which i'm 
also incredibly excited about and it's been so that's you a, and everyone else we cannot wait for this yeah i mean it's 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 an it's an amazing thing being part of a show like that because because it was a very popular game is a very popular mm. you know game so it's um got this incredibly passionate devoted um mm. audience before and it, it sort of puts pressure on you to try and make it really good because <laughs> you don't want to yeah. you know anybody but I, you know i it's an amazing team working on that and you know, it's some of the creative team who worked on um, Chernobyl, which I think is one of the best pieces of television I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, so I was super excited to work with them. And they, you know, the scripts were amazing. And um, it was a really special experience, actually. I, I feel like I've been blessed with that this year. I've uh, really got the chance to work with some incredible people on stuff that I really am excited about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in a yeah. very good place, fortunately. Love that. Love that. Well, we're very excited for everything you have coming up. Uh, the White Lotus was just, of course, I, I mean, I think it goes without saying uh, how much people loved it. Uh, that, that I think is also evident by how many Emmy nominations uh, you guys got, which must have just been a, a really thrilling morning. Is there like a White Lotus text group where you guys chatting it up that day? Yeah, we do have a text group that we started when we were, mm-hmm. you know, when we were shooting. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of blew up. I mean, it, you know, it also, it was just, it was a beautiful day when those nominations came out because, mm. you know, I, I, I guess like many shows, this show particularly, The White Lotus, feels like such an ensemble, mm-hmm. um, including like the, the composer and the, you know, the, 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 the crew. And, um, so, um, it, it, it would, it would, it would feel weird if, or it does feel weird when any of us get singled out because it seems like we're all so interconnected and everyone mm-hmm. is, you know, really um, is so great, I think, in the show. And, mm-hmm. and everyone who worked on the show really um, loved it and, and, and really did some of their best work, I think. So it was a beautiful thing to feel like we're, you know, in this sort of Emmy ride together that sort of makes sense in a way you know yeah. i mean if we're going to be nominated it feels like we should be nominated together because <laughs> yeah. yeah uh because it's you know it's a tight group and and a really talented tight group so i'm super excited about i haven't been to a ton of award shows but i'm super excited about the emmys because a lot of our white lotus group are going to be there so it's going to be yeah. a really um you know, great celebration for us you know regardless of what happens we'll all be together right. again so it's going to be really awesome yeah. Um, I chatted with you briefly on the carpet at the SAG Awards. You have uh, kind of made some talk show rounds. You've been at various events, I know, with uh, you know a lot of fellow actors and nominees. The, the blessing of all of the additional work you've had over the last year aside, what has all of that been like for you, navigating all of uh, you know, everything that comes with kind of promoting the show, uh, part of the, you know, the FYC campaign, all of that? It's interesting. It's so different from the actual work that <laughs> that we <laughs> right. do as actors, in a way. I mean, because you sort of then you're yourself, and that uh, it sometimes can feel odd. But you know, I mean, I've I've found it to be like a really kind of fun adventure. There's, you know, it's it's a it's a strange. It can be a strange thing. I think I, I was reflecting back on it and thinking uh, as a younger actor. I feel like some of it might have felt a little bit overwhelming. It's a, it's a, an incre- you know, a really um, 
wonderful and singular experience to um, do a job that sort of that that seems to resonate with a bunch of people and then there's sort of attention on you in a different way I'm at an age where I'm like great bring it on <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah. it, it's super fun and so yeah. you know um, the you know going to the to the award shows and doing that other sort of part of the business of, of doing publicity and all that kind of stuff I you know I have really sort of lent into and and it, it's part of what we do you know so I I um, I I have found it kind of like a fun adventure I've got to meet you know some some of my heroes people who I really admire so that's been a lovely aspect of it and you know when you're going to award shows and you're included in that room that's a you know that's a beautiful thing not that that's not what i focus on by any means but it's you know it's lovely to be included so mm -hmm. um that's also been a thrill you know to i yeah. i haven't experienced that kind of stuff before much so um that's been uh yeah i but i think it is you know my age in terms of where i am in my life and my career i'm like oh this is really cool i'm just gonna enjoy i don't who knows how long this stuff lasts hopefully it lasts for a long time but i'm just gonna you know, enjoy the hell yeah. out. Yeah, there's a different um, level of appreciation that comes with, uh, I, I think, um, achieving certain things at different points in life. And and um, yeah, so I, I love to hear you say that. And, and I definitely do hope you're soaking that all in. You mentioned getting to meet some heroes. Who is still the like, pinch me, I can't believe I met and talked to this person? <laughs> um. I mean, it was kind of like a ridiculous, like smorgasbord of like awesome people in some of those, you know, some of those rooms, some of those awards situations. Mm -hmm. um, one person who I just admired and and um, loved for many, many years is Melanie Linsky, and I got to, I was oh. like really shy to meet her, but I, I, uh, I just think that she's an extraordinary actor and human uh yeah. so that was super thrilling for me and also kind of she has this really strong new zealand accent which i wasn't i i knew she was from new zealand but i wasn't i didn't i wasn't aware that her accent is so strong because she rarely uses it in terms of <laughs> yeah. her work that was it was so lovely because <laughs> it feels you know it's very different to the australian accent in a lot of ways but it's we we have like a sort of a kinship there so that was mm -hmm. sweet but um yeah, that was a, a, a very sweet moment for me. Oh, she's just the best. Such a lovely person. Um, yeah. All right. So digging into the White Lotus a bit, I know you got, um, you you had not read all of the scripts before you signed on, correct? And then it was kind of like you were on your way to Hawaii and then Mike got you all of the scripts. So you didn't really know what was coming. Correct. You did not know that you were the one in the casket. No, you did, I not, did not know what Armand was going to do in that final episode. Um, okay, so then you're like you're signed on. This thing is happening. Once you got the scripts, were you like, hold on a second, or were you just like, you know what, like this is actually really exciting. There's something like titillating about this. Let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was. I mean, we were sort of towards the beginnings of COVID um, when, when you know, casting was happening for White Lotus. So everything was, was remote, obviously. We were doing, you know, self-tapes. Um, I did one self-tape 
And that was it, which was kind of shocking. Um, Meredith Tucker, the casting woman, I, I, is awesome. And I've been, I went into her casting office many, many times over the years in New York. And I think she championed me a little bit. And, you know, and Mike really took a punt on me. Um, so I... It was it was an odd process in that I you know the first of all for the the audition I had I think maybe I had the first script I definitely had obviously the sides and they were very substantial scenes in the beginning of the show where you see a lot of Armand and I've always been a fan of Mike why you know and I knew that you know it wasn't I don't think it was fully cast then but like it was you know incredibly talented group of people plus it was COVID. And suddenly, like, this job comes out of the blue to work with this mm -hmm. incredible, you know, creative mind, Mike White, who's written this amazing show, um, and to go to Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah. it was, you know, I mean, it was sort of ridiculous, and I've said this before, but it was kind of, it was, I felt embarrassed talking about it to people because we were deep in a pandemic, you know, and then suddenly I'm going off to do this dream job with an incredible group of people on a beach in Hawaii in a five-star resort. Like, it just... It seemed very surreal. Um, so, you know, why would I ever consider saying no to that? Um, <laughs> however, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it slipped my mind to ask for the rest of the scripts. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I had a... You know, I hadn't spoken to Mike, and, and I, I think they'd offered me the role. And then I had a five-minute conversation with Mike where he said, so you've read all the scripts, right? And I was like, no. And he was like, there was a silence. <laughs> and he was like, oh. Uh, I, well, we'll we'll get those to you, and then I read them on the plane on the way over. But you know, I mean, for an actor, this role is a just a, it's a, it's dreamy. You know, it's yeah. it's such a roller coaster. This character goes on, and it was certainly unexpected. But I, you know, I I can't say there wasn't moments of fear, like there always is when you get a role, and especially an amazing role like this, where you're like oh, my God, I better not stuff this up, you know, because uh, <laughs> it's so it was so beautifully written. Um, so, yeah, I didn't have any hesitation whatsoever. Um, uh, you know, a moment of like, oh, God, this is awesome. I hope I can, uh, you know, do justice to it. And then the rest was, you know, pretty thrilling. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you mentioned, you know, sometimes there are, it seems like a lot of fun for sure. Um, you mentioned, you know, little, little fears along the way. Is there one scene you can think of right now that you were maybe a little worried, nervous to shoot? Like it was the one that you knew like, okay, this is the one, it, this is the day I, I've got to face it. Here we go. Not really. The part that is always a little bit scary is starting because, mm. and, and scary and exhilarating. Like it's it, it's a great feeling in a way um, if you lean into the thrilling side of it rather than the kind of the, the fear side of it. But the fear kind of gets your adrenaline going and, and um, can be really helpful. I think because it was COVID and because we weren't having much contact and then we arrived and we were quarantined and then then we all met and, and then, you know, it seemed like immediately we started shooting. It was all very contained. And I had very little discussion with Mike about the character or the, the tone of the show. I mean, the scripts were amazing. So you just, you got a lot from the scripts, but still you're, you're sort of finding your feet in the first few days of what is the world of this? And because a lot of, you know, intense stuff happens, there's, there's some really kind of big elements of of the character of Armand and like just sort of 
navigating that is was super fun. But in the beginning, you're like, whoa, what is this? And I've never worked with Mike before, and he's never worked with me before, and mm-hmm. a number of us are in that position. So the first few days when you're finding your feet um, is a little, like, bizarre and surreal and you have moments of like oh my god is this am i is this kind of working am i you know whatever but that's just you know that's part of starting any job um Mm -hmm. to a certain extent um i guess this role because it's not as close to me as some other roles that i've played you know you want to like you want to lean into some of the kind of bigger aspects of him but also make sure that he feels human and all this kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. there was there was a lot of things that I was trying to pour into what I was doing. So there was, you know, it was mm-hmm. it was a very sort of intense first couple of days. But then mm-hmm. once we, and also we were shooting completely out of order because we were, the, the hotel was opening up partially uh, uh, towards, you know, halfway through when we were shooting. Mm-hmm. So we were shooting it all out of order. So you kind of like trying to piece <laughs> together all these different pieces from different episodes and stuff. So it was, you know, it was a complex jigsaw puzzle and puzzle in a lot of ways. But once we kind of got off the starting blocks, really it was like Mike is amazing to work with. You, he just like creates this kind of playpen and you just play and have fun. He wants everyone to have fun and he was determined that we – um we would and he was successful <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, so it was yeah. it was really dreamy after we got after you get past that mm-hmm. past that first sure. sort of uh moment yeah was uh the mustache written into the character or was that a murray choice that was a murray thing that i had <laughs> i kind of like if i'm not working um i'm not quite sure why i had it then maybe, maybe it was maybe it was um co- co- a covid choice pandemic probably sitting yeah i mean a lot of crazy things happen in COVID. we made some bad choices right not that the mustache <laughs> was a bad choice but like you know it's a time to experiment um yeah, yeah I, I mean i usually just sort of let everything go when i'm not you know in a job and just yeah. sort of um so that then i've got options uh when yeah. i'm doing an audition or whatever and the mustache felt right for this character for some reason and there wasn't really any discussion about it i think at some point they probably said don't shave it off but um mm. that was it it yeah i i was auditioning you know sometimes if i'm auditioning and i've got a beard or a mustache or whatever it doesn't feel right i'll get rid of it but this felt like it fit so felt very armand yeah um what yeah. was really such a a joy to watch through uh you know a, a very short season of a show six episodes um was this unraveling of Armand, Shane, Jake Lacey, who's so great, pushed all the right buttons. But what I'm wondering is for you, did you approach it as this was a, uh, like happening in the moment, this guy just got under his skin? Or was there actually perhaps maybe what we didn't see, a slow buildup of things and and Shane was just the straw that broke the camel's back? Um, I mean, I think, you know, um, I think Armand w- was, you know, in some ways on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's sort of built into who he is. Like he's kind of got kind of a, a, a wound up energy and like he's really, you know, got this public persona that kind of sits on like everything that's going on underneath. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing is that he is a bit of a control freak and like 
you know, wants to be, that's why he's really good at his job. He runs a tight ship and like wants everything to be sort of under his control. He knows how to deal with difficult guests and all this kind of stuff. He's like really good at that. But it was a sort of a coming together of a number of things that really kind of made him unravel. One of them being that he messed up the booking of that room, which is not something that he usually does. And I think is an indicator of the fact that he's, you know, his addiction issues are, are starting to kind of bubble up. He's starting to like the being in this environment of dealing with obnoxious, you know, entitled guests all the time is starting to wear on him, but he's holding mm-hmm. it together. And then he messes up and has to cover it up. And it, and, and that collides with this guy, Shane, Jake Lacey's character, who that character, I think probably personifies a lot of the Shanes that he's had in his life who bullied him mm-hmm. or, you know, been obnoxious in the way that Shane is. Um, that's, that sort of dynamic, I think, is probably very familiar to him. Um, and so it was, you know, trying to cover up his the thing that he messed up, but having this person, you know, it's just, it's brilliant writing, basically, like having all these elements of this guy who's a perfectionist who something's, you know, something went wrong and he tries to cover it up, but this one guy kind of won't let it go and just kind of keeps weaseling him. And that one guy is, you know, they have this dynamic that is very kind of recognizable to me of the bully and the the person that probably got bullied as a kid or, you know, all throughout life, the guy who's a bit of an outsider and the guy who's like kind of got everything, you know, and is very sort of entitled about it. Um, So it, yeah, it just, it was sort of the perfect storm, I guess, um, of, of those things coming together. And then the more that he tries to hang on to control and keep it under control, um, the, you know, the, the more it spirals out of control. So it was, mm. yeah, it's the conflict between those two characters between Shane and Armand is so yeah. beautifully written and yeah. so fun to play because it's just, they both want opposite things. So they can never in those scenes together, it's just a great thing to play because the conflict is so clear <laughs> and yeah. neither of them are going to get what they want. You know, each is looking for something completely different. Yeah. And as we see that spiraling out of control, um, I mean, I think that's really some incredible work that you do as we, I guess it's uh, like end of episode three, end of season uh, episode four. And then uh, from there, things just really go downhill. Um, If I'm not mistaken, is episode four now, now that you're nominated, is that the episode you've submitted recentering? Is that the, yeah. What is it in that episode that you look at and think like exemplifies uh, the the best of of Murray Bartlett in the White Lotus? What I like about episode four is that in episode the end of episode three, Armand has fallen off the wagon for the first time, like mm. fully, and so he wakes up in his car like the next morning, and like he's trying to kind of pull it back together. So it's this kind of thing of like it. it He's already kind of starting to slip over the edge, hasn't completely kind of fallen yet, and then he's scrambling to pull it back together, and by the end of that episode, he's failed, you know? So, And there's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of sort of steps in that episode of watching that kind of um, process that he goes through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like that you get uh, 
an arc in that episode of seeing mm-hmm. seeing him having kind of lost his shit and then really trying to reel it in and like and like yeah. the, all the things still coming at him and and then you know by the end of that episode he just you know he can't deal so it's i you know i think it's i wish that we could you know take a compilation because there's some scenes yeah. in the later episodes that i absolutely love but yeah i think it shows a good arc of of yeah. what the kind of roller coaster that he's on I would agree. Uh, you say by the end, you know, he's just, uh, he can't cope. Uh, and we see where that goes. Natasha and Jake very firsthand got to see where that went. Um, what, what do we, what, what do we not know about that scene where they open the door and, and get a firsthand glimpse of the, uh, the partying going on in Armand's office? <laughs> what do you not know? Yeah, what what do we not know? What like like if if we're doing like a little like mini oral history, well, no pun intended, of that scene and and what happened? Like I I know that uh he suggested that that is what be happening there. I like what was originally written versus what ended up on the screen. It was, you know, it was um not specific what happened in that scene. And, you know, the the one sort of substantial conversation that I had with Mike before we started shooting was about those scenes, like the, the suitcase scene and, yes. and that scene um, with Lucas, because um, he wanted to make sure that we felt completely comfortable and that we weren't doing anything that we felt, you know, um, uncomfortable mm-hmm. with. And you know, so he was like super mindful and caring. And we had like, he wanted, you know, just wanted to sort of drop in about that. So he kind of left it up to us a little bit in terms of what we were comfortable with. Um, Mm. And uh, not that he hadn't thought of, you know, what we ended up doing um, necessarily, (laughs) but Lucas and I discussed the options and (laughs) we decided that that would be probably one of the most shocking things for those two people walking in on to see. It would be super unexpected and, and, you know, that's what that scene is about. You want to create this sort of shock for both of them. Like it gives Shane like this incredible, you know, fuel for like his yeah. um, take from on. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about a few different things and kept coming to the back to that. We're like, well, that would be kind of the thing. <laughs> that would be, yeah. you know, the, it felt like it really fit. So we went to Mike. Um, I just before we were shooting, like I don't think we had discussions about exactly what it was going to be. I think, or maybe it was in a, a previous scene, but it was not long before we were shooting that scene. And we went up to him and said, "You know, how about we do this?" And he looked with this sort of like look of like glee and shock on his face and said, <laughs> "Can we do that?" <laughs> uh, and then we did. So we didn't shoot anything yeah. else. We just got that. Oh, so um, that that was your only option. That's what you got to use. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. But then I guess does it become like like or is then like body makeup? You have to deal with all that kind of technical stuff too, right? Yeah. I mean, um, yes. You know, there's all the all the kind of mechanics yeah. of doing those kind yeah. of intimate things, and like it's always it's always a bit odd doing stuff like that. Well, not that I've ever done that on camera before but um uh, or the suitcase scene like it's the the any kind of (laughs) any kind of intimate or you know sort of naked revealing kind of scenes that you do there's always a sort of a 
a bizarre quality to it because you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's uh yeah you're doing this kind of stuff in front of a uh, hundred people or whatever yeah but Lucas yeah. is awesome we felt very comfortable with each other mm. yeah I think the thing the key to those kind of scenes any kind of intimate scene is that if it feels like it's right for the scene and it feels like it's it's achieving what you want to do in the scene and everyone feels comfortable with it then like you just kind of surrender to it because mm-hmm. it felt like the right thing to do it made an impact in that scene which i think we we're all really like happy with and proud of because that's you know it yeah. really did make an impact and sure so did. you know you just like if if everyone feels comfortable then it feels right then you just kind of you just go for it yeah. Um, for all of the scenes that you were not part of, uh, were you, did you just like casually hang out at the resort and watch, or did you just kind of wait to see episodes to check out everyone else's, everyone else's moments? Yeah. I mean, I didn't spend much time. I mean, I was, you know, weirdly, um, we sort of shot in blocks mm. because the, the hotel was opening up halfway through a lot of my scenes as I'm on were in public areas and we were shooting, we had to shoot a lot of the public areas initially so that we could just be in the hotel rooms when the, the hotel opened up for real partially. So I was just working a ton um, in the, in the beginning. And then I thought I was going to have time to watch other people work and, and hang out and stuff. Um, but then someone got COVID and I was in contact. I never got it, but yeah. at that point it was very early on and I had to be quarantined for yeah. two weeks. So my two weeks of like hangouts and like watching other people were like spent in my mm. room, um, exercising like a demon. And, you know, I mean, I was in a five-star resort. It wasn't that bad. Let me tell you, yeah, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but I will say, you know, so I didn't, uh, get to hang on set and watch other people's stuff much, but. Yeah. At the end of most days, whoever was available, if we were finished, we would mostly, you know, most of us would go down to the beach at sunset and swim and watch the sunset. And uh-huh. I mean, it was, that was, it was a beautiful experience to have with that group of people. You know, we all felt incredibly lucky. I don't think there was a moment where we forgot that. Mm. Um, and, you know, particularly in that moment at the end of the days when it was, you know, this beautiful Hawaii sunset, you'd like dive under the water and hear the whales. And then we'd like, you know, loll about in the water together, like chatting about the day or like what, I mean, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. So we did have, you know, we had the occasional dinner and stuff together for those who were available, Mm -hmm. but it was, um, the whole thing was because we couldn't leave that resort. We were, very bonded. We, you'd walk out and you'd see people and you'd stop and chat. So we were, you know, became a really kind of close familial type group, which was really rare and amazing. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you had the episodes, you got to read them. Once you finally got to see everyone else's work, what, is there something that really like stands out from the storylines or the action uh, for you? Um, you know, the, the scripts were so great and so specific and all the characters were so well drawn. So I, there wasn't a ton of surprises. What was, it's not, it wasn't surprising because it's an amazing group of people, but what was amazing to me was just seeing, I think everyone shines in this show and everyone rose to the occasion of their, you know, whatever part of the story they're in, in such a, like, 
the scripts were amazing and then everyone brought extra you know like yeah. in a so that was surprising to me uh or not surprising but just thrilling that um and like wow to see something so great on the page and then to see it even better like when people are doing it um was phenomenal and you know and moments you know surprising moments i guess where you thought of it in some way and someone does it in a different way um you know i didn't i wasn't prepared for how intense sydney swingy's character would be i'm like whoa yeah. she was scary when you watch it and uh-huh. it's amazing with with her i mean with a lot of these actors i, I sydney just comes to mind at the moment because she's so subtle when you're working with her and so brilliant and great you know great scene partner and then you see her on screen and you get to see what the camera catches that's you know Mm -hmm. especially in close-up and stuff that um is just so exciting and but i could say that about everybody i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's a brilliant group of actors so yeah i mean for coolidge seeing the stuff that oh because she's so in the moment and is always coming up with, you know, amazing, spontaneous stuff, although her character was also beautifully written. But just mm. seeing those extra moments that she brings is, you know, always kind of magical. Um, yeah. But, yeah. You're right. It's it's such a great group. I, I, I know people who have watched the show over and over again just to pick up on things like you're saying that like you want to pick up on just things that you maybe didn't catch the first time those kinds of glances or reactions um because it's it really is so full of them and mike did such a great job filming it in that way too that um you kind of discover something new after you watch it other times would you if mike wrote a um a prequel series for armand would you do it I mean, he joked on our first, the night before we started shooting, we all had a dinner together and he, you know, was joking and saying, whoever's the best, whoever's the best actor and like the nicest person gets a spinoff series. And I was like, hey, hang on a second, what about me? And he was like, we'll just, we'll go back in time. Um, so yeah. I'm going to hold him to that. And yes, I would love to. You would do it. Uh, honestly, I would love to see what our, what got Armand to the White Lotus. I would love to see all of that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I, I could only imagine uh, the <laughs> antics in his past. Yeah, oh, yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Murray, congratulations on everything. Really appreciate your time and for joining us here on The Awardist. And we will, uh, we will see you at some point during the rest of award season. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Look, honestly, I could have talked to Mary Bartlett for hours. He's such a sweet guy. Um, He's so humble and and grateful for everything that's happening in his career right now. We're going to be seeing a lot more of him. I wish we'd see more of him in The White Lotus as the series continues. Sadly, he was the one in the casket. He was like the number one person I did not want to be in that casket. Right? Like, I was devastated. I was actually a little pissed. Some of them I wanted to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should have been Jake Lacey's character, Shane. But, yeah. Um, Did you think, did you think, like, it could have been Sydney Sweeney was uh, not dead, but that she would have like done something to someone. Oh yeah. I fully would have believed her to be the killer. Mm-hmm. Well, especially like the jealousy with her friend. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I yeah. don't trust teenage girls. Are you kidding? <laughs> like they will absolutely <laughs> you <said it. laughs> kill you. 
come on. It's the women supporting women comes after the teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. If you survive the teenage years, then you become like, you know, united. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Also, you know, she wouldn't have killed the woman. I think she would have killed the man. Uh, That's true. Uh, Maybe her brother. Who knows? She they they had an odd relationship. Um, But, you know, I just I think it's so interesting that Murray did not know he was going to be the one who died. That's Until insane. he's like on a plane reading the scripts on his way to Hawaii. And he's like, oh, it's me. That feels like the first thing they should have told him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Mike White thought he knew, but, you know, he okay. thought he had the scripts, but nope, he just hadn't read it yet. Oh, that's um, a bummer. Yeah. But look, I mean, it's it's catapulted him to a, a new a new phase of his career and yeah. level of um, I don't necessarily want to say fame, but uh uh, actordom. <laughs> That's People now know his name. They I sure mean, do. I didn't know his name before The White Lotus. So. Yeah, he's been in Physical Season 2 with Rose Byrne. He's been so great on there as an aerobics instructor. He fits that he fits that like 80s, 90s vibe so well. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that the mustache was his own choice in The White Lotus. It just, it just felt right. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes Chris Evans, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired. <laughs> bang, bang. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, on that note, Sam, it's always a pleasure having you on here. Thanks again for joining me. Anytime. Yeah, well, uh, that, if you guys didn't figure it out, that means it's the uh, end of this episode of The Awardist. So if you liked what you heard, be sure to follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. And we will see you back here next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Listener.